Hello and welcome back to Out of the Question. This week's guest is one of the elders of podcasting in Australia. Back in 2010, he and Will Anderson started making the podcast TOFOP, which is an acronym for 30-odd foot of pod. Since then, he and Will have collaborated on other podcasts, including the enduring and iconic Two Guys, One Cup. He's also a well-known actor starring in Blue Healers, McLeod's Daughters and Home and Away. I speak, of course, of Charlie Clawson. We talked in the aftermath of the Northern Rivers floods in which Charlie was on the front line of the rescue effort while I stood in my borrowed gumboots many lines back. In this interview, Charlie talks about the perils of acting and podcasting and how to deal with people offering up unsolicited criticisms along the way. As usual, I asked Charlie how his fellow workers would describe him. Well, that's an interesting question because I wear many hats and I imagine that depending on uh, the field we're talking about would be a different description. I mean, I, I, I do these podcasts and I write and produce and, and I act. So, I mean, I think maybe what people might say is that I, uh, I'm a jack of all trades, that I, I tend to keep myself busy. Mm. Um, I don't know if they, what they're, opinions of my work ethic would be but i do a lot of things so i'm hoping that they would think that i'm a, I'm a hard worker at least i try yeah. i could be look if you know adam i love afl if i was to use football parlance i'd say that i'm a big-hearted trier maybe not <laughs> the most skilled, but i give it a crack you know what i mean i'm that dour halfback flanker you can rely on just to shut down the opposition's best player doesn't mean i'll get a few i'll get many kicks or good clubman good clubman that's right yeah <laughs> Do you think coming from such a big family I helps you negotiate working with groups of people? Are you able to kind of analyse political situations pretty quickly and, and find a diplomatic solution? Yeah, I think um, definitely being the youngest of a big family forces you to be able to stand up for yourself pretty quick. And my family are all big talkers. They love to hold court and stuff. So if you want to get a word in edgeways, you better have something worthwhile to contribute. Um, I'm the only one in my family who's an actor. So I think that's a clear indicator of like what, how I was forced, uh, how I was forced to perform in order to <laughs> get heard. But um, yeah, and I think that that would definitely have an element to it as, I don't know if I'm any better at it, but I definitely become aware of working. I like to collaborate for a start. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, I'm, I'm better working in a group or, or bouncing off someone. Um, but definitely identifying kind of like, uh, the way certain people like to work or power dynamics within a certain group, I think is is something that I've picked up along the way for sure. What, what's uh, what's Will think of you? What, is, what does Will think of anything? It's an enigma. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's um, it's an interesting question. I think that, I think Will would definitely put me into that jack of all trades kind of uh, category. Easy to work with though? I think so. I mean, yeah. when you've got someone who is like a Swiss army knife, that makes them easy to work with. Like I'm fairly yeah, yeah, adaptable yeah. and uh, um, I would like to think that I'm fairly generous with my time and I'm accommodating. If someone kind of can't make a, a certain meeting or, you know, we've, we're booked to record or rehearse or whatever it is that I'm not, I don't think I'm a scary coworker. No. You know what I mean? Like I don't mm. think anyone kind of is scared of telling me no. <laughs> or changing something on me at the last minute. You know, I, I try and um, you, ca- you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Yeah, mate. The only other question I would have is, are you a different person on the home and away set than you are when you're working with your fellow podcasters? Yeah. 
Definitely, definitely. I mean, also like, you know, the thing about when I started on Home and Away, which was sort of a different experience for me as an actor was that I was a senior actor by then, you know, I'd had sort of like 15 mm. years experience and you're working on a show with a bunch of kids who maybe it's their first or second job. And that had never, I'd never viewed myself as a kind of mentor or, you know, had any wisdom to impart. I always felt like I was the one trying to learn from the actors around me. Mm. But then suddenly I was in a situation where I was a senior member of the cast and there were actors who kind of looked up to me or wanted advice or, and I actually really enjoyed that role. You know, I liked sort of being able to kind of, you know, um, give some guidance or, or help them out or impart some kind of wisdom. So I'd say that, you know, they would have seen me as a, as a mentor. And the funny thing is, you know, I was playing a dad on the show and that was kind of the role I adopted in real life. You know, I, yeah. I still think that the kids who play, you know, my foster kids on that show, I still feel quite paternal and protective of in yeah. real life. That's lovely. But then with the podcasting, I think it's much more of a, you know, Will and I were very early into that space. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've generated has come from nothing. Like we've invented basically a, a, a job or a, or a, or I would not hesitate to say a career because it's not really a career, but we've created something out of nothing. And so um, I feel much more like that's more a bit of a, um, a punk rock kind of thing where you just yeah. sort of like, Hey, we're go out and do it. It's not always going to sound good, <laughs> but we're going to yeah. give it a red hot crack. And, you know, I think that within that space, like when I've done other people's podcasts, um, a lot of times I get introduced as, oh, he's one of the OG podcasters or, you know, he's one of the grandfathers mm. of podcasting. And I'm always like, well, I feel like you're damning me with faint praise there. You know, to say <laughs> that someone is like one of the oldest podcasters in Australia. It's like, so you've been doing this thing that pays you no money for more than 10 years. What the fuck is wrong with you? Well, it's, it will pay off, I reckon. And it Hopefully. has. Yeah. I'm playing the long game, mate. Oh, yeah. And playing it well. Uh, what's what's the most unhelpful feedback you've received? Now I understand you you received a lot of feedback. I think the most unhelpful feedback I ever received was early on um, from a a senior member of a cast of that told me that I I had no business being an actor. Uh, yeah, uh, I, it was a couple of different people. Well, in in different ways, they implied that. He told me that um, he thought my talents lay behind the camera and that I was not a natural performer. That were, that were his words. I see you on stage. I don't think you're a natural performer. Um, so I think he was half right. Like, I think my talents do lie behind the camera, but I'd like to think I've got something to contribute in front of the camera as what well. What did you say? Did you just take it, you go, oh, thanks for the feedback? Or did you just go, uh, mind your own business? I think I just took it on board. I didn't say, I, I definitely didn't get my backup about it. I was very, like, you know, this is when I was just starting out, like, you know, 18 or 19. And, um, you know, this guy had been around for ages and done a lot of stuff. And so I really listened to what he had to say. Thank God I didn't, you know, take his word as gospel because I maybe wouldn't be here. I imagine you probably encountered people trying to dissuade you from getting in front of the camera, didn't they? What are you, what are you saying, Charlie? Well, I'm saying because you, because no, you came from a journalist journalist background, like you started off. Oh, I mean, mate. You, you had both boats sailing at once, right? Yeah, like you were look, working I, behind the camera. I'm only all joking. Yeah. The camera. Um, yeah, all the time. All the time. People were. It's, it's so funny how, like, I've, you know, I'm not saying I'm a 
same, but I've never gone up to anyone and said, your talents lie behind the camera. What are you doing here? Now, do I think it? Fuck yes. I think about it all the time. I can I can look into someone's eyes straight away when I'm acting with them and know whether they're an actor or not. I've been doing it that long. But I'm not going to tell anyone anything. So I do find it extraordinary that someone wakes up one morning and thinks, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to tell that Charlie Clawson guy that he should be behind the camera, not in front of it. But th- there's also the the people who who you who are in competition with you who try and psych you out as well and yeah. um it, we're, we're fighting for scraps in this industry and 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 so there's a lot of you know trying to push people out of the way uh, i haven't encountered it for years but encountered it a lot in my first let's say 10 years yeah well i had another director on a tv show um and it was a big tv show uh, as mcleod's daughters and um he, I'd only been on the show for about six months and I was, I was on a hiding to nothing because I was replacing Fletcher Humphreys, who was a beloved uh, character on that show, love interest of Jess Napier. And I was kind of brought in as the new love interest. And like, when you're doing that, when you are the replacement, you know, of a super popular character, like it's really difficult. So I was facing a lot of that kind of shit and feeling insecure as a young actor. And I had a director um on a lunch break say have you been to uh have you been to drama school and i said no no i've just kind of you know done bits and pieces workshops here and there but i've sort of you know learning as i go and it's like yeah you should probably think about it maybe actually just take some time out and go to go to drama school and i was like fuck you i mean that was yeah. one guy and i saw and i worked with him about 15 years later he came on to home and away and um he was like charlie yeah we've worked together before and i'm like, I'm like yeah man yeah, <laughs> if i'd well. listened to you i probably wouldn't be here right now yeah oh it's so interesting i think it's changed a lot in the last 20 years like when we were starting out i'm going to sound like old men now it was very elitist mm. you know like i you know when i sort of got my first job that took me to sydney you know, I would go out to see STC shows and Belvoir and I'd, you know, go to functions and stuff like that. And there was a lot of dismissal of me as someone who had not come through NIDA or WAPA or even VCA. And then there was even more cynicism about the fact that I was doing like this TV show rather than, you know, you hadn't treated the boards and you're not a serious actor. And it was interesting because I did a, a, a workshop, an acting workshop about three years ago. And the guy running the workshop was saying that when he speaks to American casting agents now, they very rarely look to drama schools to find talent. They're much more interested in going to comedy um, comedy festivals yeah. like Montreal because you're getting people getting on stage with a unique perspective and a unique voice, and that is yeah. what acting really is all about. I mean, sure, you can go to like RADA and, and probably do like a flawless version of Macbeth, but... You know, acting's changed, you know, yeah. and people want more di- actors to be more dynamic and authentic. And I think that, you know, uh, this idea that you get gold stamped because you went to a prestigious institution is, is very old fashioned these days. Yeah, like if you're a bit of an arsehole, you could have always said, which, which you're not, but you could have always said, and they said, yeah, you, should go, you should go to drama school. Yeah, yeah you, you don't need to when you're good looking. <laughs> Sorry, mate. <That's> true. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, with the with the um, podcast, what feedback do you get on the podcast? We we're talking about it earlier. You do get a little bit of unsolicited, unsolicited yeah. uh, advice, don't you? Creative advice, yeah. I yeah. mean, look, generally, I think with podcasts too, because it's so intimate, um, there is a sense of ownership when people listen to you. Like they feel like. Um, 
they they had they're part of the show, you know, and and because yeah, yeah, they're sitting yeah, in yeah. on a conversation you're having with the, your good mate, um, and so they'll have a lot of advice. Hey, <laughs> look, there's two things that I've noticed is like, yeah, they'll have advice about the direction of the show, the things you're talking about. Like, often I'm like, we don't we don't pick topics according to what we think you guys want to hear. We pick topics based on what we're interested in, and if you yeah. guys happen to enjoy it, then that then that's great. Yeah, but there's also this level of um, the way that you can talk to me, Adam, the way that I will allow Will to talk to me is because we have an established friendship and I mm. trust you guys. And if you mm. want to give me shit or uh, I make fun of myself, then that's all well and good because I feel safe and I'm in good company. Yeah, yeah. That is not an open invitation for anyone online. <laughs> <to kind> of, <laughs> like, this out of me or even in person, like I've had people at comedy festivals come up and like, you know, a riff on a joke that we told on the show. And I'm like, look, it's fine for Will to make fun of me for that yeah. story. Yeah, I don't know you. <laughs> you yeah, don't have license right. to come in and make fun of me for that. It's like, yeah, I'll make the jokes about myself. Don't yeah. you? Just because I'm a guy that that can happily take the piss out of themselves. It's not an open invitation, ladies and gentlemen. No, no especially <laughs> when you are not a, a skilled comedian, when it's no, just a clumsy it. insult. Like it's, it's not fun it. just throwing myself under a clumsy insult. I mean, if they were a stranger in a pub, you'd be like, fuck you. I'll have you know, I've been given shit by the finest minds in comedy. <laughs> exactly. I, um, question three, what is, what is a failure you most cherish? Oh, well, I mean, I've had so many. <laughs> I think the one that actually taught me the most and, um, you know, I've had the most fun with and it's and actually morphed into something itself was... Uh, the first time Will and I did a live TOEFOP, uh, we did it with Dave Anthony and Greg Barrett, who had a podcast at the time called Walking the Room. So, you know, when TOEFOP started getting a bit of attention, um, they were in the US doing their show and they're very similar in theme. You know, they were two old friends. And so we sort of connected, you know, online and, and, and then they came out to Australia. And so there was a bit of a buzz and we managed to book a like a room at the Melbourne Town Hall, 300 seats. And none of this was planned. It was all organic. And we got up on stage and I'd never really done any stand up before or, you know, live comedy. And it was a sublime show. Like it was just, I can't describe how great it was, Adam. Like just everyone was on fire. Every line was a zinger. There was such good will in the room. The audience loved everything about it was perfect. And we walked off stage and we were just hugging and high-fiving about just how great that was. Even the next day we went out for dinner and we were just like telling our very bored partners about how great this show was <laughs> and like, just can't wait for people to hear it. And then we get a message from uh, the comedy festival that the uh, memory card that they were recording the show on uh, had crashed and failed and, and had lost everything. Nice. And it was just like, oh, went from the, the peak of like this, this could be like, people might hear this. We might get a deal out of this. This was such a great show to then like, what? So there's, but there's a backup, right? No, no, there's no backup. And we just were suddenly in the pits of hell. But the great thing about it was Dave Anthony, who's a real firebrand comic. If you're not familiar with Dave Anthony of the dollop, just give him a listen and, and, and you'll get an idea yeah. of his temperament. He was doing a, a stand-up show when we got the news. So it was me, Greg and Will. And we were like, fuck, like someone has to tell Dave, he's going to lose his shit. And then we were like, we should do it on air. 
And so he rushed back to Will's hotel room and set up the podcasting equipment and did, you know, like did a 20 minute intro about, well, this is what's happened. We did this live show last night. It was amazing, you know, sublime. It was fantastic. Um, but Dave doesn't know about it, but he's on his way here and we're going to break the news to him on air. So Dave came in, sat down. And so we really primed him. We we're like, how great was that show? It was amazing. I know. And then you did this. I know. And that was great. And that was great. And we were firing at all cylinders. Well, um, funny you should say that because we got a phone call from the comedy festival and they lost it. And there's like a 30 second pause where just like Dave digests it. And he's like, you're fucking kidding. And I'm like, no. And so it became wow. this thing. Of, but then we sort of morphed it into like, then the myth about that show became bigger and we we refer to it as Superpod, and the event in which we lost it became the death of Superpod, and it became its own thing where now we have fans who will contact us every year on the anniversary of Superpod oh, to like share their memories of like the death of Superpod, oh. and it's so like it was a failure in a sense not our personal failure but it, it was gone it was making you know, a, a silk purse out of a pig's ear. Like we really were just devastated when we got the news. Yeah. And although I would much prefer to have that recording, you know, I still think that what it sort of taught me is like, just stay nimble. You know, you just yeah, got to, you got to yeah, stay yeah. nimble and you got to move with it. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of really good content has come out of that one fuck up. You salvaged it. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, that's still would still would prefer to have it. <laughs> Mate, great, great answer. Uh, which word or phrase do you most overuse? Um, oh, there's so many. Like, if it's just in terms of um, syntax, I use a lot of likes and ums and you knows. I hate I hate listening back to myself. I just I feel like you, your parents sacrificed so much for a private school education, and and this is the <laughs> vocabulary. Stop you knowing, you know. Um, I think I say a hundred percent too much when I'm agreeing with someone. Um, I don't think I, I mean, Adam Spencer would probably lose his fucking mind at the amount of time to use a hundred percent when I definitely don't mean a hundred percent. It's just something that has become a bit of a trope of mine. Um, in fact, people will often, uh, people listen to, to the podcast, not just TOEFOP, but all of them, because it it sneaks up, will often reply to me with a hundred percent. Mate, did you? I got it off Brett Tucker. So what he started oh, yeah, 100%. saying 100% to <laughs> yeah. me, and then I now say it all the time. And on this, if you listen to the Patrick Bramble uh, interview, uh, I asked him. I asked him that question. He said, "Well, I can't think, talk on behalf of myself, but I can talk on behalf of you. You use 100% all the time." Oh, well, maybe I got it from you. I don't know. No, nah, I think I've been. You got I, it. From, it probably yeah, would be, probably would be Brett Tucker. There's a few sayings. Um, like that which there's another one that i i i use um one of brett tucker's good mates vaughn kerr he used to talk about bad traffic um when you were like you know you're stuck in traffic or you know you're next to a big truck he would say mate i'm boxed in worse than pale-faced adios and like it was just this i had no idea what he was referring to there was something that he mentioned to me 20 years ago that i I use all the time when I'm in a, a tight space. I'm boxed in worse than pale-faced adios. And then I decided like a year ago to, what is, pa-? and so pale-faced adios was this horse and a famous horse, like won a bunch of kind of like big races. Um, I think there's even a statue of it somewhere in like uh, uh, the, the central coast. Pale-faced adios was this, 
uh, like, yeah, like this uh, not quite far lap type horse. But this phrase just was given to me. And, and I think there's something just about the the sound of it. It's just got a nice it's, kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's beautiful. A bit of Australian poetry. Yeah, exactly. I want to use that. Uh, and the final question, mate, do you have a motto? I, uh, I don't, I, I'm not really a, a motto guy, but this year, uh, while meditating, <laughs> a motto came to me. Yeah. My wife, Gemma, she likes to um, have a motto for each year. She likes to kind of give herself a little mantra motto. This is, you know, her, her guiding principle for the year. And one came to me um, when I was meditating, which is sort of I'm, I'm endeavouring to kind of adhere to, which is what if it all goes right? And it's a conscious attempt to avoid my normal negative um, uh, mindset. I have a tendency, Adam, to uh, uh, think the worst of situations, be cynical about situations, and it must be very irritating to be a coworker or a partner of mine when a situation is presented and I'm immediately looking for the catch or the downside. <laughs> or, Me too, right? And it's um, and so I'm trying to consciously be like, you know, all right, well, someone wants to have a meeting rather than go, well, this will probably go nowhere. What if this leads to something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or someone reaches out or anything really, like, let's try this new restaurant. Oh, I don't know. I'm not a really big fan of Italian. What if hey, what if it's great? What if it all works out? You know, and so far, so good. You know, I I I think that when I was getting therapy, <laughs> what the psychologist explained to me is that. Uh, you know, I'm using this kind of uh, um, negative thinking as some kind of security blanket, you know, that I feel like if I can preempt or anticipate uh, an issue that somehow I'll mitigate the, you know, the, the bad effects of when, when ultimately you can't anticipate everything that's going to go wrong, like just things go wrong and, and, and sometimes you have to deal with it. And, and it's much better to um, go in with an open mind or, or to think things go well and, and trust in the fact that you you're an adult and you have enough sophistication and, and resourcefulness to deal with any issue that that might happen um now that i'm a father i just don't want to pass on this cynicism i, yes. I just it, i don't know what you're like adam but you know, especially when you have a, a low week you know i don't suffer from depression but i you know i get down like everyone and when you're in that headspace it's so easy just to color the entire world in that, you know, that, that dark color where it's just like nothing, nothing is going to work. And sometimes I can step out of myself and I can hear it. And I'm like, shut the fuck up, Eeyore. Like, yeah, yeah. it doesn't yeah. all have to be like that. And, you know, you meet those people who are so dumb, so dumb, yet so successful. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, because they don't doubt themselves. Yeah. And I would trade that for anything, take away any of like my intellect or whatever. I'd much rather be blissfully ignorant and happy thinking that anything, the world was my oyster than constantly overthinking and, and trying to anticipate, you know, obstacles like I, like I do at the moment. So that, that's kind of where my motto is hopefully going to take me this year. Thank you so much for tuning in to Out of the Question. We'd also like to thank all the guests that appear on the show. And if you have a minute, please subscribe via iTunes or your podcast app and leave us a rating. 
If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me on Twitter at Adam Zwa. Until next time, thanks for joining us.